Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Um, the title suggests that I may be talking about a nation or a particular nation. Um, perhaps I am, perhaps I'm not. Uh, but I think it's important for us to really uh, think about the meaning of this text that I'm going to read to you at this time. And this is a very simple text. And it says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. So what I've done is this. In my usual fashion, I really want to allow the, the main text to really sink in. And so let's take a look. There are two words that we really want to pay attention to. And these are righteousness and sin. Righteousness and sin. Right away, you know, uh, you and I would not be very popular in this world talking about righteousness and sin. We know that, right? But the Bible insists upon talking about righteousness and sin. And, and you know, part of the, the depth of the wisdom comes from really understanding righteousness and sin. And um, the really question is this. Are there such things as righteousness and sin? Now, for you and I, you know, we're very used to the Bible, and we're used to listening to the preaching uh, on the Bible. And, you know, we've perhaps been part of the church all our lives and for many years. And for us to be asking this question is almost like, what are you talking about? But, you know, but there are people, I'm sure, that really don't believe in righteousness or sin. There are people that really believe that they are righteous. They're not perfect. Somehow they correlate imperfection with righteousness. And, and they are, they some, I have met some people that said that they have no sin. As surprisingly as it may sound. And there are people, I'm sure, more than those a few... There are a lot more people that actually do not recognize righteousness or sin. And so when the Bible speaks, when Proverbs talks about righteousness, we need to pay attention. When he talks about sin, we need to pay attention. And so are there such things as righteousness and sin? Of course. That's why the Bible is talking about these two things. And then let's take another step with this text. It says the righteousness does something. And it says the sin does something. And the righteousness exalts. And sin disgraces. You see, righteousness does something that's really good and positive. It exalts. 
But sin, on the other hand, does something also, but it's bad. It disgraces. All right? And so we have now the idea of righteousness, and we have sin, and we understand that these two things do something. They're just not two words, just somehow in, in, in a vacuum, but it, they do something. One exalts, one disgraces. And then the final segment of the presentation of the main text is this. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Now, here, a nation and people really are really the same thing. It says a nation. It doesn't say America. It doesn't say Korea. It doesn't say China. It doesn't say any particular country. Now, some of you may have thought, hey, Pastor Sam is surely going to talk about America. He loves to talk about America, which I do. It applies. It applies to America. It applies to Korea. It applies to China. It applies to every nation on this earth. But you see, the word nation is really, it means a people. So underneath that, when he says, but sin is a disgrace to any people, it's, they're really talking about the same thing. Um, the thing is that the righteousness impacts the people. And sin impacts the people. And so, so what we have here is a very simple language, something that is very easily understood. The righteousness impacts a nation in a positive way because it exalts the nation or its people. But sin does something also, but it does something negative in that it's a disgrace to any people. Not just America, not just any other particular country. Now, you know, I, I'm not sure um, that necessarily that this verse was um, hinting at a particular uh, nation. Maybe, maybe Israel, maybe back then. But you see, the language itself says a nation. And any people. And so we need to pay attention to that, right? And so now we kind of have a very thorough idea of what this text is saying to us. Okay, I hope you have memorized it. There is righteousness and there is sin. And uh, they do something. And that Im they impact the nation or the, its people. All right. So with that, let's move on. The question really is this, does it matter? Does it matter? Does, does this verse matter? Does this thing about righteousness, does righteousness matter? Does sin matter? Does it matter to you? Does it matter to a nation? Does it matter to a people? You know, I'm sure you know the answer. Of course, the answer is yes. But the idea is that we really need to think through and process. When the Word of God says something, it says so because it matters. What about 
Okay, even if it matters, do you care? Do you care? Who are you? Are you a child of God? Are you, do you call yourself Christian? Do you say that you know God? Do you, so, do you say that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you say that you're a worshiper of God? Who are you? And if you are one of those, then do you really care? Do you really care about this righteousness? Do you really care about what the impact this righteousness has on a nation? Do you care about sin? Do you care the impact the sin has on a people? Do you care? You know, um, one of the things that really uh, hits me, and I experience this from time to time, Especially as I'm dealing with the Korean Americans and the first generation, older uh, the Korean Americans. And you know, I I'm venture to guess uh, that there are many, even second generation, maybe even third generation Korean Americans, maybe they maybe have a similar sentiment. But you know, I had an, recently this, had this experience and we were in a prayer meeting, and I've asked somebody and to lead the prayer. And one of the t- prayer requests and topics that I, I've shared was, please pray for our nation, America. And pray, you know, pray for our people in America. And uh, he started to pray, wonderful prayer. But, you know, he didn't pray for America. He prayed for Korea. He prayed for the people of Korea, but he never prayed for America. And, and I don't, you know, I say that not as a complaint, but I say that as where our attitude is, where our mind is, where are we as, as individuals, does America matter to you? Do you care what happens to this country? Do you care what happens to your church? Do you care what happens to your family? Do you care? Do you care? Righteousness and sin do matter. And really, um, the only way that you would really care and see and understand how much it matters is to really have the proper worldview. In order for us to be able to really understand this text, we need to understand or have the biblical worldview Otherwise, we would not really appreciate this particular verse. You see, because it's a matter of your worldview. If your worldview is such that righteousness and sin really don't matter, then what difference does it make? If, you, if your worldview is such that if there is no God, then it doesn't really matter. But if your worldview is such that the righteousness and sin not only exist, but they matter because there is a living God, then yes, of course it matters. So the what's worldview? Worldview is the lens through which that we see everything. It depends on what kind of lens you wear, what kind of lens through which you see things. It could be a type of lens that allow you to see things that are close, but they may look appear they're far, or vice versa. Or there, there may be lenses with colors or the tints. Or there may be lenses that allow you to see things you can't see with your naked eye, like telescope. 
So it is, it is the lens through which that we see. So if your lens is the scripture, if the lens is the word of God, then you see one thing. You have one type of worldview. But if you have the lens that is your soul experience, your experience is really the only lens through which you experience, uh, explain everything, then you're going to have another worldview. And it's another way to express that is to say that the worldview is a matter of the perspective. What perspective do you have? Where do you come from? You know, what, what is it that you bring that allow you to be able to see things, relate to people? And, um, and so that's what worldview is. And this worldview um, um, is really critical in the sense that, uh, you know, the, how you see the world, how you... Uh, not only see the world, but to measure the world. Now, some people see the world through the lens of money. Uh, some people see the world or measure the world, you know, by the uh, amount of money and influence and fame and all kinds of things like that. And so, if you have a proper worldview, if you have a biblical worldview, if you have the worldview that is proper, then you can really understand this righteousness and sin. So let me give you um, a distinction between man's perspective and God's perspective. Man's perspective, Matthew 5, 43. Jesus said this, right? You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. All right, so Jesus repeated what came down through the tradition, and then he says, here is my perspective. Here's God's perspective on that. He says, but I tell you, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. It's right in the next verse, Matthew 5, 44. And so you can see, depending on the perspective, depending on the worldview, things can come out quite different. And so we're going to look at this verse and, and see what is, what is really being told through this text. See, the crucial factor um, in determining the worldview is whether or not Christ is in it or not. All right. So we, we know this from the writings of Apostle Paul. Uh, one place we can go to, maybe we can go to many places, but Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Is Christ in you? Is Christ not in you? That makes the whole, the whole lot of difference. That separates you from the rest. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the key thing there is that it is Christ lives in me. Is Christ living in you? If Christ lives in you, then you have the worldview based upon God's perspective. You have a worldview that allows you to be able to see righteousness and sin. You, you, you will have the worldview that allows you to respond to righteousness and respond to sin in such a way that is pleasing to God. And then he goes on to say, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. 
For to be, uh, to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You see, Apostle Paul had it right. He knew. He understood it. Is Christ in you? Does Christ live in you? So go back to the text. You know, uh, you might be saying, wow, Pastor Sam, you've shown this text so many times. Yeah. You know, the text is not just there so that I can create, you know, three-point sermons. The text is there for you and I to be impacted by this text and to, be, to, to live our lives accordingly. I hope you memorize it. Righteousness exalts a nation. A righteousness exalts you. Righteousness exalts a church. But sin is a disgrace to any people, to any nation, any, any church, any individual, any household. Do you now understand that? I hope you do. Because if you do, that means you have God's perspective. God's perspective. You see, that's called wisdom. Having God's perspective is wisdom. And you, we all need to have God's perspective. So then, who determines and defines righteousness and sin? Who does that? You probably know the answer. But here's the answer. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The righteousness from God. It is, it, it's God who determines and defines righteousness. Here's the problem of this world. This world tries to define righteousness. This world tries to define sin. And it doesn't necessarily agree with the definition and determination of these words by God. You know, and, and people will talk about righteousness as something that, that's entirely foreign to the scripture. And they will insist their definition of righteousness is the right definition. But you know, the righteousness comes from God. God is the sole definer of righteousness. He's the sole definer of sin. And he says... A righteousness exalts a nation. The, what he defines as a righteousness exalts a nation. And what he defines as sin is a disgrace to any people. So, who exalts and disgraces a nation? Who? Let's go to 2 Samuel 23.1. In speaking of King David, and in fact, you know, this is reference to King David, the oracle of King, son of Jesse, of, uh, oracle of David, son of Jesse, the oracle of men, exalted men, exalted by the Most High. Who exalts man? God. 
God exalts man. And not only does, not, not only does, does he exalt man, but he also disgraces man. In the case of King Saul, he disgraced him. Because King David understood righteousness, and King Saul did not understand righteousness. So, by now, do you see a nation in sin? And which nation is that? Clearly, we cannot excuse our nation, America. We cannot. Do you see sin in this nation? Do you see a sin of immorality? Do you see a sin of abortion? Do you see a sin of homosexuality? Do you see a sin of all kinds of injustice and all kinds of racism? You know, I rarely speak about racism. Recently, an incident just this past week, George Floyd was murdered. And I don't want to go into the details of it, but I'm sure every one of you know about the incident. The idea is that someone can be trampled upon so badly. What do you see in our nation? Do you see a deep sin in our nation? Of course you do. You have to. You have to literally be blinded not to be able to sin of our nation, our people. I hope you can see it. Indeed, what if a nation is blinded to sin? What if the you know, nation, the people, um, I, I, I was going to uh, put up the picture, but I decided not to because it's so, so gruesome. Um, a child is carried to full term, and they're doing abortion. And they were injecting directly into the child, a living being, fully formed and developed, carried to full term. They inject to kill the baby in the womb. A nation is blinded. Nation can be blinded. A, a church can be blinded. A family can be blinded. An individual can be blinded. We can be blinded because you know what happens? If we're not careful, if we just claim to know God, but we don't know God, see what happens? The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of, that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 2 Corinthians 4.4. You know, I don't know what you are seeing, but I hope you're able to see this in our nation, in the nation, nations around us. What if a nation is proud of sin? What, is, what if a nation is proud of sin? 
What am I talking about? Isaiah talked about it. Many, many, many years ago, Isaiah talked about it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Turn the table around. What is good is no longer good, but it's, you know, evil. And what is evil is no longer evil, but because it is good now. Everything is upside down. That's the kind of world we live in. We live in a world that is, it is not able to determine what is righteous and what is evil. Do we want to become a people that is unable to determine what is good, what is evil? Romans chapter 1, verse 32. Although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they knew this. They not only continue to do these very things, but also prove those who practice them. They cheer them on. They cheer them on. Upside down. Upside down. So this is the kind of world we live in. Do you see that? Do you see that? When... when, when, um, Proverbs talks about righteousness and sin. What are you thinking? Well, when you read this, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to, my, any, to any people. You say, oh, yeah, that's just God's word, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Or do you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. How does that matter? How does it, do I really care? How does that impact me, impact my family, impact my church, impact my community? How does it impact our nation? We need to really get into it. But you see, there's not just evil in this world. There is righteousness. And God will exalt the nation based upon righteousness. So how do we become righteous? How do we become righteous? It's an important question. There's an answer. The Bible is full of answers. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. There you go. Anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. No disgrace. Everyone who trusts in Christ will never be put to shame. That's how. That's how we become righteous. Can we proclaim Christ? Can we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can we tell others about this good news? Can we tell the people that there is a difference between righteousness and evil? Can can we tell them about how the righteousness can exalt our nation and how sin can disgrace our nation? But what is a nation? But what is a nation? Let me bring you around full circle. What is a nation? Am I just talking about America? Am I condemning America? Am I condemning China? Am I condemning Korea? It's not about that. We need to understand what a nation is. 
a nation. What do you think? What is a nation? Righteousness exalts a nation, a people. First Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a what? A holy nation. Sounds like you and me. It sounds like the church. It sounds like God's people. It sounds like the covenant people. It sounds like those who are in Christ Jesus, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praise of his wonderful light. A holy nation. Righteousness will exalt a holy nation. That's you and me. But, but are we struggling with sin in such a way that, that disgrace come, can come upon us? So what is the solution to a nation in sin? Solution is that you, that is the church, you and I, must live as a holy nation. And I dare say that you cannot, I cannot blame the world. The world does not know any better. They're blinded. They cannot see it. Because it is up to you and I to live and by declaring the praise of his wonderful light. We can only do that as a holy nation, as a righteous people. The righteousness that comes from Christ by faith. By trusting in him, we will not be ashamed. And so, as, as I conclude this message, it is important for us to recognize that we, as a holy nation, we have a responsibility. We, as a church, have a responsibility to really understand what righteousness is, what sin is, and really come before the Lord. And if we see anything that in us that is sinful, then we need to come and repent. And let's do that right now. And if we, if we see any sin in the life of our nation, in the life of our people, we need to come and repent. And you know, we need to not only repent of the sin of our own, but the sin of our nation, our people. We need to do that. Because it is righteousness that exalts a nation. Let's do that right now. Let's pray. And let's gather together and, and kneel down and bow your